everybody. It is Friday, December 15th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwinunu. And I am Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, it's been a short week for me. <laughs> but also a long week. But also the <laughs> longest week of my life. Shortest week in terms of podcast work. Longest week in terms of everything else. It's probably one of those weeks where you're like, what day is it? Like, you like unaware that it actually is Friday. Oh, Jill, I, <laughs> I promoted on Instagram our Wednesday newsletter as the Thursday newsletter and was told internally, most you have the day wrong. Like, really? That's how it goes when you're sick and it, and friend haven't left your apartment, I would imagine, in a long time. No, we actually we went outside for the first time in a week on Thursday. It was very nice being out in the fresh air. Seeing the world out there, uh, went for uh, a cup of hot chocolate nearby in Brooklyn. We should remind folks, by the way, next week is probably the last real week of the year. And by real, people are already starting to get out of the office. So there's probably like one or two work days left in the year 2023. Not here at Mo News. But <laughs> oh, no. We're, <laughs> we'll be going strong all until the end of the year. Actually, Moshe, you and I have to plan our end of the year podcast. I love yes. doing fun, special podcasts, but I was sick and then you were sick. So we're falling behind. I will put I promise you I will work on something fun for us to do for the end of the year. Yeah. Last year, I think we had some good feedback on the uh, predictions for 2024 news predictions, the look ahead. So I think we're going <laughs> to cook something up for all of you. In our wildest dreams, I don't think we could have predicted this. Well, I was going to say, we got to look back and see what we predicted and how off we were. <sighs> Do we want to know? Simpler times. Anyway, we will figure out something celebratory or fun to do to kind of just put a, a nice cap on 2023. And let's get this show on the road, as we say. A look at the headlines. European officials say that they have arrested numerous people with connections to Hamas, planning attacks on Jewish targets. What are the risks of an attack here in the United States? Plus, the latest from Afghanistan, where the Taliban says it is imprisoning women for their own protection. Staying overseas, Vladimir Putin says that he has no plans to end his war anytime soon. Back here in the U.S., a 13-year-old boy accused of planning a mass shooting at an Ohio synagogue. In medical news, scientists may have pinpointed the cause of morning sickness, which is giving hope that there could be a potential cure. Getting a lot of notes about this on the Instagram account, Jill. And remember that Southwest travel debacle last Christmas? The CEO says it will not happen again. And get ready to work forever. More Americans over the age of 65 are still employed and showing no signs of stopping. Plus, it is Friday, whether we feel like it is or not. Cheers to the freaking weekend, what we are watching, reading, and eating. The final six episodes of The Crown are out, Jill. So we'll talk about what we're binging at the end of the pod. All right, we're going to start overseas with a takedown of Hamas-linked terrorists in Europe. As the terror group looks to strike outside of the Middle East, four people have been arrested in Germany and the Netherlands on suspicion of being part of a cross-border Hamas terror plot. German prosecutors say their goal was to obtain weapons to target Jewish institutions in Europe. Germany says the three men had been detained in Berlin, a fourth in Rotterdam. They are described as, quote, long-standing members of Hamas who had links to its military wing and have participated in Hamas operations abroad. Two of the men were born in Lebanon, another in Egypt, another was a Dutch national. 
Separately, at least four other men were arrested in Denmark for planning a separate attack. Leaders there also saying that there were links to Hamas. The Danish prime minister says the threat was, quote, as serious as it gets. And Moshe, this is quite significant because until now, Hamas has mostly been focused regionally on attacks in Israel. Yeah, but they have global ambitions, Jill. If you look at Hamas's charter, it starts with an Islamic state over uh, modern day Israel and Palestine, but then their ambitions are global. Similar philosophy to Al Qaeda, other Islamist groups, that ultimately it's about a global Islamic world, even if their short term ambitions when it comes to Hamas is initially nationalistic, is about a Islamic Palestinian state. This is sort of similar to the evolution that we saw over time with Hezbollah, uh, the terror group that is mainly based in Lebanon, but they have struck globally, including in Argentina, a whole variety of Jewish targets around the world over time. And clearly Hamas, also with international ambitions here, their leaders in recent days have been saying it is time to strike at Jews globally. The announcements in Germany and Denmark were issued separately. It's unclear if the arrests are connected in any way or coordinated. The Israeli Mossad and other Israeli security agencies were involved in coordinating with uh, the European governments to take down these plots. At a news conference in Denmark, law enforcement there said that persons abroad have been charged. It's a serious situation, adding that the arrests were carried out in collaboration with our foreign partners, that's Israel, and those arrested were part of a network. On Tuesday, uh, as far as the Netherlands are concerned, the Dutch counterterrorism agency raised the country's threat alert to its second highest level, saying the possibility of an attack in the country is now substantial. We have covered across the border there in France as there have been a couple attacks in recent weeks from ISIS-affiliated terrorists. The Germans, who were uh, part of this takedown of this Hamas plot, say that attacks on Jews and Jewish institutions have increased in recent weeks due to the Israel-Hamas war. And the EU Home Affairs Commissioner warned that Europe does face a huge risk of terrorist attacks over the Christmas holiday period due to the fallout of the fighting in the Middle East. Jill, one thing the audience should keep in mind here is the Jewish community in Europe for years has had to live with full-time security, a walled compounds, security to get into any synagogues, um, any establishment, any school, something unfortunately we're now seeing more and more of in the U.S., as they've been seeing rising threats uh, from ISIS-affiliated Islamic groups and other radical uh, groups there. And it's had an effect on the population there. Uh, Jews have been leaving France in droves over the last decade, many actually moving to Israel, no longer feeling safe uh, in France. And there are larger questions as we've been watching what's going on these past couple months about the future of the Jewish populations that remain in Europe and what they might look like uh, if they continue to exist at all in Europe given the continued concerns about their safety. The Jewish community, they're facing threats from some radical right groups, uh, some fascist groups, etc. But really the threat in recent years comes from uh, Islamic groups that have grown over time with a lot of the uh, migration from Muslim, North African, and Middle Eastern countries. Now, here in the United States, FBI Director Christopher Wray has previously said that violent extremists in the United States and abroad could draw inspiration from the Hamas attack on October 7th. Last week, he said terror threats are at an unprecedented level since the Hamas attack. And those comments were at a congressional hearing in which he was asking lawmakers to renew a controversial law. It basically allows for the warrantless surveillance of certain foreign targets Ray arguing that this has crucial national security value. And this is Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. In a new military spending bill recently passed, it was extended for several months. 
At this point, though, Ray said that the FBI doesn't have any information indicating that Hamas has, quote, the intent or capability to conduct operations inside the United States. Still, he says there has been a steady drumbeat of calls for attacks by foreign terrorist organizations since October 7th. Yeah, the concern typically here is what they call lone wolf attacks. You know, someone who has become very extreme uh, through their social media diet, uh, getting into extremist literature. And, you know, a lot of the way the ISIS works is you claim allegiance to ISIS. It's not like the Al-Qaeda situation we saw 20 years ago where they're training them, they're sending them in, they have a whole plot. The lone wolf attackers are just like, you know, made extreme by what they're consuming and decide to just go out and plan their own attack. So FBI agents are working around the clock to identify and stop potential attacks. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol officials down in San Diego recently warned in an internal intelligence notice that militants associated with Israel-Hamas war may be potentially crossing the southwest border. So that's something they've been on the lookout for. The note went into, you know, individuals who might be inspired by or reacting to uh, the conflict between Israel and Hamas, uh, then crossing the U.S. border. And so they gave the Border Patrol officials down in the uh, U.S.-Mexico border the insignias of Hamas. Uh, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, uh, things to look out for uh, and to be particularly vigilant of military age men uh, wearing military gear or just traveling alone. And to another story overseas that uh, admittedly is not getting enough attention, the situation in Afghanistan, a U.N. report says the Taliban, which runs the country, has sent some women to prison to protect them from the threat of gender-based violence, which is what the UN is calling rape and honor killings. The Taliban claims they are doing this for the women's own protection. The Taliban telling the UN that the women who don't have a male relative to stay with or whose male relatives are deemed a threat to their safety have been sent to prison. Since taking control of Afghanistan more than two years ago, immediately after the U.S. withdrew from the country, the Taliban began chipping away at the rights of women and girls through draconian policies. They barred them from schools, universities, and many professions. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind when you you see this very extreme interpretation of the Quran by the Taliban in Iran, uh, by Hamas in Gaza, where basically women to be able to do anything need the permission of a man. And then, of course, if they're facing violence here, you have the Taliban saying, no, we're going to do you a favor and put you in prison to protect you. It's actually the same thing the Taliban does with drug addicts, homeless people, you know, a a, a warped reality, Jill, where, by the way, women aren't even allowed to work in Afghanistan, helping other women with gender based violence um, with uh, Taliban rule. Right now, girls are not allowed to attend school beyond the sixth grade. Rights groups, remember, warned that the Taliban rule would enable violence against women, uh, decimate any legal protections uh, for them. Women are no longer allowed to work in the judiciary, law enforcement. They're only permitted to attend work when called upon by their male supervisors, according to the UN. And uh, as we mentioned, they need permission for everything, including to travel outside their homes without a male chaperone. So uh, this is the situation that we've seen there now for going on more than two years. Uh, Remember, things changed after the U.S. invasion of Afghanistan in 2001, following 9-11, initially pushing out the Taliban um, as they were able to out of large parts of Afghanistan for a bit. That's when they set up NGOs, safe houses for women, for children, etc. With the return of the Taliban upon the withdrawal of the U.S., Taliban's return to its ways. And so this is where we're at. The Taliban saying in a statement, the handling of cases is based on Sharia law and there is no injustice committed against women. Again, they're very warped 
warped understanding of uh, their holy book there, uh, Jill. But I'm glad you brought this into the podcast today because it's important to keep tabs on what is happening there. Especially as Pakistan, where more than a million and a half Afghans had had fled to, had just expelled them and forced them to go back to Afghanistan to live under Taliban rule. All right, plenty of news coming up. But first, a word from some of our sponsors. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Personally, I have been loving them. They save me so much time. They're delicious. I feel like I'm eating like a fancy meal uh, when I'm home. I personally have been loving also the cold pressed juices, the pasta dishes, and a bunch of the different chicken meals. So you could skip all of your meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in about two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from more than 35 chef-crafted meals every week. They support a healthy lifestyle and meet all of your meal preferences, whether it's calorie smart, vegan, protein plus, whatever you're looking for, they have it. And factor not just for dinner. Choose from quick breakfast items, lunch to go, grab-and-go snacks, and ready-to-drink cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals ready in two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash monews50. So use that code monews50, M-O-N-E-W-S-5-0 to get 50% off. And that's at factormeals.com. Again, that is slash monews50 for 50% off. Before we get back to the news, we have one more partner to talk about today. If you're a longtime listener, you know that... Uh, I've been drinking AG1 for about a year now. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel a real difference in my energy level. And especially now that I'm a new dad, I can use all that I can get. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs, gut health, stress management, immune support. Um, AG1 is a simple scoop of powder in the morning with a glass of water. It's simple, it's easy, and it helps you get all your nutrients I've been hearing from some of you who are like, you got me. Finally, I'm going to try AG1. I got a couple messages recently about that. And that applies to some friends and family as well who are trying it. So once you take AG1 in the morning, you feel like you're covered for the day. And so if you really want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. You can try AG1 right now with a special Mo News discount and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Go over to drinkag1.com slash Mo News. That is drink a G, the number one, dot com, slash Mo News right now for the special deal and to take ownership of your health. Time now for the speed read. And we are going to stay overseas, Moshe. I feel like we've got a ton of, of international news. This from Bloomberg. President Vladimir Putin of Russia said Thursday that he remains determined to achieve the country's military aims in Ukraine as he celebrates divisions over U.S. and European aid threatening to undermine Kiev's ability to repel the invasion. Putin said Thursday, there will be peace when we achieve our goals. They don't change, repeating claims that the unprovoked attack was carried out to secure the, quote, denazification, demilitarization of Ukraine and its neutral status. 
despite catastrophic Russian troop losses that U.S. intelligence this week estimated to be about 315,000 dead and wounded, Putin is pushing forward with the war. It was meant to deliver victory within days and now approaching the two-year mark. Putin announced last week that he'll be running for a fifth term as president in the March elections to extend his rule to 2030 with opponents in jail or exile amid the harshest Kremlin crackdown in decades. Putin is certain to win the tightly controlled vote. He got about 80% of the vote in the last election. How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Who were the 20% that dared vote against him is the question. Right. I was just going to say like that, that feels, that feels like a risky move unless you have some guarantees in Russia these days. Um, Officials aim to portray the election as an endorsement of the war. Jill, when you look at a bunch of authoritarian leaders of the years, it's always like Saddam Hussein won 94% of the vote. You're like, are you just making up those people? <laughs> like, did people actually take that risk? Uh, but they, they're always, they never give themselves 100%, right? Because they <laughs> even they know that that's crazy. So they always like tend to play between the, you know, 70% and 90-something percent um, game. We joke, by the way, this is a reality, a sad reality for those living in Russia who did have the promise of democracy, albeit flawed democracy, for a few years there in the 90s. Putin, by the way, with this recent extension and this pretty firm uh, re-election he'll have in March, will eventually, if he makes it through most of that term, will become Russia's longest lasting leader in recent history, surpassing Joseph Stalin. Putin did step aside for a few years there to make himself prime minister under Medvedev and then returned as president, keeps changing the law to keep himself going and going. As far as his press conference, it lasted almost four hours. He tends to do this at the end of the year, um, taking questions. They said there were two million questions for him from the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Two million numbers don't mean anything. Yeah, m- numbers don't mean much in Russia, it appears. And so uh, they didn't get to all of them clearly <laughs> in those four hours. And he made a point, you know, he if you look at 2023, Jill, he got through the Ukrainian counteroffensive. He sees diminishing support. Uh, he sees the struggle they're having in the U.S. to pass more aid to Ukraine. Now, Congress continues to deal with that. Congress goes on vacation for the holidays uh, midweek this week. So they don't resolve the $60 billion that Biden wants to send in the latest aid to Ukraine. They may not see that till January, given that Russia has uh, now occupies 20% of Ukraine, has destroyed large aspects of the Ukrainian economy. They are now dependent on about a third of their budget comes from U.S. aid right now. So it's pretty significant. And Putin knows it's not coming anytime soon. So he basically took a victory lap in that press conference yesterday, uh, noting that Ukraine today produces nearly nothing. They're trying to preserve something, but they don't produce practically anything themselves. They bring in everything for free, but the freebies may end. And apparently it's coming to an end little by little, he said with a smile. Uh, He disclosed, by the way, uh, beyond that, that Russia and the U.S. do have an ongoing dialogue right now over a possible prisoner swap. Uh, That includes Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich. Uh, He was taken into custody on uh, spying charges, which the State Department, the U.S. says are totally illegitimate. And he's being held right now, facing years in Russian prison. And there's a former Marine we've told you about named Paul Whelan, another American who's being held, who's been held for a few years now by the Russians. They're looking at a swap. Uh, Putin says that the agreement must suit both parties, unclear who he is demanding from the U.S. and whether the U.S. would be willing to give up that individual or individuals uh, for the two Americans they continue to hold. 
From NBC News, a 13-year-old boy has been arrested and accused of planning a mass shooting at a synagogue in Ohio. The suspect, who cannot be named for legal reasons, is charged with inducing panic and with disorderly conduct, both misdemeanors right now, for allegedly making a detailed plan to shoot members of Temple Israel in the city of Canton, which is south of Akron. He's accused of sharing his plan on the online chat platform Discord, which has been used by previous mass shooters to discuss their plans and in some instances their extremist ideologies before their attack was executed. The suspect's, quote, detailed plan to complete a mass shooting at Temple Israel was, quote, reported to law enforcement and required an immediate investigatory response. This is according to a Stark County family court filing. The sheriff's office learned of the plot on September 1st and notified the school system, which caused significant public alarm within those agencies. Although his arrest was before the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas, the charges come amid increased anti-Semitic attacks in the U.S., as well as an increase in anti-Muslim violence in the wake of the conflict. The suspect appeared in a pretrial hearing back on November 20th. He's due to face a full trial starting uh, next week. By the way, it's not the only case we're watching. There was a man who was federally charged in connection with shots fired outside a synagogue in Albany, New York, uh, recently, earlier this month. Also, earlier this week, a Jewish couple described being attacked as they made their way to a local synagogue in Beverly Hills. But Moshe, obviously, what really stuck out about this is, is just a 13-year-old. What is going on? Yeah, I, I hope they're able to get him the help that he needs. Now to some health news from CBS News. Scientists may have discovered the exact cause of morning sickness, the nausea and vomiting that often accompanies pregnancy. And with the discovery, better treatment options could be on the horizon. Researchers from the University of Southern California found that the hormone GDF15 is produced in the placenta and a mother's sensitivity to it determines how severe sickness will be. While previous research has linked GDF-15 to these symptoms, the latest study shows that women who are exposed to lower levels of the hormone before pregnancy experience more severe symptoms. One of the researchers says, quote, we now know that women who get sick during pregnancy when they are exposed to higher levels of the hormone than they are used to. While there have been treatments to help the symptoms of morning sickness, this research certainly opens the door to potential avenues for solving the underlying cause of morning sickness. Yeah, getting at the hormone here, uh, they're very hopeful about will help resolve the issue that tens of millions of women face as they're pregnant. The researchers suggest there are two possible routes to helping here lowering GDF-15 or exposing the person to GDF-15 prior to pregnancy in order to prepare them for elevated levels of the hormone once pregnant. So two possible routes there that they're going to be looking into now that they know this. The researchers say this study provides strong evidence that one or both of those methods will be effective here. Jill, we got messages from some women who experienced such severe morning sickness. They were hospitalized uh, multiple times, um, causing huge issues for them. And it is estimated that between 70 to 80% of pregnant women experience morning sickness, though despite the name, you can experience it any time of day as I witnessed. And as Jill, as I'm sure you experienced yourself. Yes, morning sickness is quite a misnomer. It's, <laughs> it's all day and night. It, it doesn't end after lunch, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> and Jill, we should note that while most women experience it just in the first trimester, 
unfortunately, some women uh, experiencing throughout their pregnancies up until delivery. So again, uh, important breakthrough here and, and hopeful this will lead them to really be able to help women in the coming years. From CNBC with the peak Christmas travel season just days away, Southwest Airlines CEO vowed that the carrier will not have a repeat of last year's meltdown that stranded thousands of customers and cost the airline more than a billion dollars. The CEO, Bob Jordan, saying, quote, it will never happen again. Last year, if you remember, Southwest had to cancel close to 17,000 flights over the crucial Christmas and New Year's holiday period as it failed to recover from severe weather that gripped most of the country. Rival carriers were also affected, but were able to bounce back a lot more quickly. Yeah, United had huge issues as well last winter. We covered this whole story extensively. Southwest has a creative system for how they fly their crews and planes that saves them money. But when blank hits the wall, uh, it basically brings down the entire house of cards there. And that was the issue that happened last winter. So uh, let's hope that the CEO's words are ring true here for all the people depending on Southwest this holiday season. They had flight attendants lost. They had pilots uh, waiting to figure out what position to get into. We were hearing from people last year. They were spending days. This is employees spending days figuring out where to go, uh, what to do, what to do with luggage, etc. Well, Southwest says they have been stocking up on de-icing winter weather equipment. They've upgraded their internal technology. So uh, let's hope that uh, this will help them. The CEO does warn, though, winter will not be perfect. But he added that the airline is prepared this season. Uh, and of course, it has its key hubs in Denver, Dallas, a couple places. And so watch the weather there because that's the domino that could impact Southwest. From Axios, an increasing number of Americans age 65 and older are working and earning higher wages. According to a new Pew Research Center analysis, this is good for an economy dealing with long-term labor shortages as the U.S. population ages. But whether it is positive for older Americans is debatable. The number of older adults working, now one in five, has been steadily increasing since the late 1980s with a detour during the pandemic. It is almost double the share of people above 65 that worked 35 years ago and several forces are driving the shift. So a couple things that are driving this. First, we are an aging country, right? The boomers were our largest generation ever. Most of them have started to retire here at Jill, and we're watching as the rest of them uh, transition uh, to retirement. Older Americans are healthier than in the past, are less likely to have disabilities, so they are able to work longer. Of course, the nature of work has changed as well with flexible office jobs, technology, allowing um, older Americans to not have to deal with uh, physically grueling jobs, stuff that they can do from the comfort of their home. And one analyst looking at these numbers notes that it's the better educated older adults with a college degree that are working longer, interestingly. The recent Pew Research Center survey found that workers ages 65 and older are also notably more satisfied with their jobs than younger workers. They're also more likely to say they find their job enjoyable and fulfilling most or all of the time, less likely to say that they find it stressful. Uh, the boomers tending to look on the positive side of things here. Policy changes uh, have also played a role here. Americans now need to wait until the age of 67 instead of 65 to fully access their Social Security benefits. So that is keeping them in the workforce longer. Many companies have scrapped pension funds, have gone to 401k. Those 401k accounts linked to the stock market, which means you got to watch the stock market for when to retire, play the market, if you will. 
Though by the time you're at that stage, you probably shouldn't be in too many risky assets. But that said, you know, as we've uh, seen the stock market hit record highs this week, uh, that potentially could be a cue for some to retire at the top of the market with their 401k plan. So in some cases, Jill, it appears uh, people are working longer by choice, in some cases by necessity, though we should note, by the way, that the average net worth of American seniors, this is between the ages of 65 and 74, their net worth has jumped 27% over the last four years alone. Uh, People 75 and over, they've seen a 43% increase in their net worth. Why is that? Housing prices. Many of them own uh, those assets, so that has been good. That compares, by the way, to a 23% increase in average wealth for families under the age of 65. Uh, So we also see people in their 60s, 70s, 80s buying new homes or downsizing, if you will, also shelling out for cruises, travel, dining out, etc. So in some cases, some of them, again, needing to work for that, some cases choosing to work for that. But as people uh, live longer and live healthier, they're looking to remain productive. And in some cases, that might mean staying employed. All right, Moshe, it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Time for what we are watching, reading, and eating. What are you watching? As I mentioned at the top, Jill, the crown finale. It's the final six episodes, part two, the final six episodes of the final season. Uh, So this is post-Diana now. They get into William and Kate's romance, Charles and Camilla mirroring. So they really, you know, we've watched this as Princess Elizabeth became Queen Elizabeth. And now at the end, uh, takes us basically almost up to a modern day. So there's that. Netflix, by the way, has another show uh, that I'm looking forward to watching. It's called Kevin Hart and Chris Rock, Headliners Only. Uh, Two comedians looking back at their careers, rarely seen clips of them uh, as they made it through stand-up. I was always a fan. I don't know if you guys have watched Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee. That was Seinfeld's show where he interviewed other comedians. So hearing Chris Rock and Kevin Hart talk to each other about comedy should be fun. Jill, what's your uh, watching plan this weekend? Mosh, I will be heading to the movie theaters to be watching Wonka, the newest Willy Wonka remake. It's starring Timothy Chalamet. Expectations are high. It's expected to make between 35 and 45 million during the opening weekend. And Mosh, it is apparently lighter than the previous Willy Wonka's. One review from NPR says this is not Gene Wilder's reclusive, unsettling Willy Wonka, happy to delight you with candy or flush you down a pipe. Chalamet's Willy Wonka is an open hearted kid who wants to share chocolates with the world and fill the void left by the loss of his mother. So it sounds like this is a lighter, maybe more fun Willy Wonka. So I'm here for it. Yeah, like the OG Willy Wonka. Actually, you read the book, Jill. It's a uh, it's a little disconcerting, but it's like many. It's like the Brothers Grimm. It's like a like many childhood stories from yesteryear, like very dark. And actually, you read them in modern day, you're like, this is totally creepy and weird. And by the way, that goes for some of the stories that the Disney movies are based on. If you you know, like they really need to uh, soften them significantly for our modern sensibility. Most just wait until Olivia starts to get into Disney princess movies. Yeah. Each one is kind of more twisted than than the next. So just y- you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. I imagine that rewatching these films now with, a, you know, as an adult and as a parent uh, is a completely different experience. All right, Jill, <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading this weekend? Mosh, I am going to be reading children's books. I had a holiday party for my children's book critique group. I mentioned it earlier this week when you were out. So all of us picked our favorite children's book and then did it kind of like a secret Santa. 
I posted on my Instagram account, uh, Jill R. Wagner, all of the books that the authors had picked. And then I asked people for their favorite children's books. I got so many good suggestions. I posted a lot of them. I felt like it was almost too much, but I think I'm going to post just all of the suggestions because I don't know. I, for one, am always looking for, for good book ideas. And just to give you a couple of the titles, Grumpy Monkey Up All Night, The Day the Crayons Quit, The Most Magnificent Idea, and Apple and Magnolia, which was the book that I got in The Secret Santa and I, I absolutely loved and read to my daughter last night. Jill, I should note, uh, my wife Alex has put together, she solicited people's favorite uh, children's books on her Instagram. We'll include a link in the show notes uh, to, I think it's 130 titles that she's listed in an Amazon store of uh, people's favorites. And we were very fortunate. In, we have a very comprehensive children's bookshelf that we already have ready for Olivia. We've started to read her books, um, even though she's sort of still looking at the ceiling as we read them. But we're told, you know, it's important to read to them as early as possible. So, uh, Jill, I'm looking forward at some point, maybe we'll do it as a side thing on Instagram, where I'll critique some of these books, because I have thoughts about some of these kids' books. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Moshe, what are you reading? Besides kids' books that rhyme, Jill, one thing I've been reading, we mentioned on yesterday's podcast and in today's newsletter, are the newsletters over at Puck News. Uh, they have a new one out breaking down Netflix viewership data. For the first time, Netflix has uh, put a data dump out of what Americans and what people around the world are watching. The conclusion uh, from Puck News, which focuses on media, foreign affairs, politics, Hollywood, is that Netflix is basically the new CBS. Um, while they do have a lot of experimental programming, it's traditional dramas and comedies that continue to do very well. Um, interesting analysis there among the many newsletters they do over at Puck. And we have a partnership with them. You can subscribe to the newsletters today. It really gives you a deep dive, uh, makes you smarter about everything going on, on from Wall Street to Hollywood to politics. Uh, we have a code right now, MO25, MO25 for Puck, P-U-C-K, uh, over at Puck.news, P-U-C-K dot news. For 25% off, we have a link in the show notes. Uh, again, the code is MO25. All right, Mosh, my favorite part of this. What are you eating? Jill, I don't know if people can still hear it in my voice. I'm drinking tea as I record this podcast. Uh, but Alex made chicken noodle soup, despite also being sick with COVID this week as the whole house got hit. Um, so I've been uh, drinking copious amounts of that. And uh, <laughs> it's been working, I should say. Jill, what are you eating? Mosh, there's nothing like a good old black and white cookie. But in honor of Hanukkah, which is officially over as of this recording, I have been eating blue and white cookies. That's kind of the the twist that we've been seeing on them. And I have a lot left over. And of course, I cannot let any food go to waste. So yeah. Especially cookies. Just, yeah. So I've just been going to town. No cookie left behind. <laughs> All right, Moshe. Well, I am glad that you are back and on the mend. And I hope that the rest of your family is soon feeling good as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, Share this with your friends. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. Also, be on the lookout uh, this afternoon for a uh, interview with the investigative reporter who uh, looked into McKinsey, the world's most secretive, most powerful consulting firm, uh, says they have more secrets than the CIA. And we dive in to how they do their business. If you've ever been curious, look out for that on the main feed. And then over on uh, the premium feed today, 
we have a look at the women who built the CIA. Uh, it's a new book out by Liza Mundy. Who happens to be married to Bill Nye, of all people. We actually get into that story um, because in a previous book, she discovered things about Nye's mother that he didn't know. They met, they get married. Anyway, more importantly, if you're interested in the history of women in the CIA and what people the CIA think about Carrie Matheson in various Hollywood portrayals, uh, check that out over on the premium feed. Of course, you can join Mo News Premium over at mo.news slash premium. It's a way to support us, get extra content. And right now we're offering it for just $7 a month or 70 a year. It's two free months right now on the annual package over at mo.news slash premium. Homeland 24, some of my favorite shows. So I will certainly be listening to this podcast. Um, and everyone have a great weekend. See you on Monday, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.